From baseball's top personalities. The great Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This is A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered. And we got some big names for you. The Hall of Famer, Eric Nadell from the Rangers. Tom Hamilton from the Cleveland Indians and the great Tony Gwynn Jr. from the San Diego Padres. But Eric Nadell, a Hall of Famer, Ford C. Frick Award winner. Whenever Texas is in town or whenever we're in Texas, you got to talk to the Hall of Famer. Here is Eric. We're going to have the Hall of Famer stepping in here as we get you ready for. We, no, don't go to break. Let's just go right to oh, Eric. Okay. All right. Um, you know, this is going to be, you know, an interesting day for, for us trying to follow this game uh, and figuring out who some of these guys are. I mean, obviously, the A's and the Rangers have split, but uh, this is a far different Ranger team than, than we have seen. Some of the names really haven't heard of some of these guys, but most importantly, we've heard of you, the Hall of Famer. How are you? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me. How good is it to be back on the road? It's fantastic, especially to be here. You know, it's like 99 degrees in Texas, and here we are, and it's 70 degrees, and uh, went for a nice hike today in Berkeley, and it's beautiful. And you get your Chinese food fix. Get the Chinese food, and I, I get to see a ball game from one of my favorite vantage points here at the Coliseum. It's just, uh, this is great for us. Yeah, what's you know what a lot of people don't understand is that the new stadiums, they basically said we're not worried about the broadcasters. We want luxury suites, and I'll never forget when I was working with the Raiders down there in Miami at the new Hard Rock. Are for Brent Mus. I worked with Brent Musburger, and his booth was so far to the side. It's like how do you? So this is so old school. It's still built for you guys to have a good broadcast. Yeah, it's great. We love it, and. You know, our ballpark in Texas has the booth high up, as a lot of the new ones do. So uh, going around the league and being back down low again, you feel the game a lot more. You know, you can do the game from up there, and we're getting used to it. But uh, it's just it's more fun the closer you are to the field. You know, last time we were there, they were building the new field. And I remember we went over to Texas Live for the barbecue, which was phenomenal, uh, and got to look in. But, of course, we haven't been able to travel. What is the new yard like? It's great. I mean, they did a wonderful job. The sight lines are fantastic. The decks overhang each other uh, more than in most of the recent parks. It's more like the old-fashioned parks that used to have poles so that the, the decks above were closer out toward the field. They've managed to engineer that now without poles. So the sight lines are excellent. The air conditioning's working great, <laughs> you know, with the temperature over 90 every day now. Uh, you know, it's really comfortable in there. It's also very loud. Um, so it, it will create, I think, over the years, a real big home field advantage for the Rangers. We haven't seen the roof open since the middle of May, you know, because of the weather situation. But when the roof is open, you know, it really feels like an outdoor regular ballpark. When the roof is closed, uh, it's more of an arena-type feel, I think, because of the way that the, the sight lines are. But, but fans seem to really like it. That area right behind home plate looks awesome. Oh, that's that, pretty cool. Those, that we see those, on TV, those yeah. dugout suites. Yeah, we've been down there during batting practice. Uh, haven't had the opportunity, of course, during a game, but uh, that's an amazing view. Yeah, I mean, just to be right behind home plate, and, you know, you have people serving you food and drinks. And, like, and it's closer to home plate than any backstop in baseball. It's only 42 feet. You know, they used to be 60, and then a lot of the newer parks now have gone to 52 feet, or old parks built. St- 
some seats out on the field, so it's more like 52. Ours is 42 feet. Um, it's the closest. You know, when, when, I, when I think about the Texas Rangers and having the roof now, has to be just great for everybody knowing that you're going to have 81 games. You're not going to have to worry about rain delays and, and, and the heat. I mean, what does that mean that you have the roof? What does that do for the fan base? Well, this last homestand was a really good example. We had a nine-game homestand. At the end of a nine-game homestand in August, I used to be wiped out. <laughs> I can only imagine what it was like for the players. Yeah. And how the fans existed during day games is still a mystery to me. We had a game last Sunday. Uh, where it was in the 90s when the game started and a storm rolled in and in the eighth inning it started pouring outside we could hear the thunder you know as if we were right in the middle of it we would have had a rain delay of somewhere around three hours there it was a getaway day for seattle everybody would have been waiting around and instead you know we just listened to the rain outside finished the game and uh, went on to play again the next day. And at the end of the nine-game homestand, you know, we're, we're fresh as a daisy having played in air conditioning. Our players are able to go out and get early work. You know, they don't have the cumulative effect of the heat that they had in past years at the end of a long homestand like that. We used to look at the schedule, and you, if we'd see a three-team homestand in August, we were, like, totally dreading it. Now we, we welcome that. Yeah, because it's been said there's some really good Ranger teams that by the end of the year we're just worn out from all the heat. And I believe that. I really do think it was a factor in a lot of those seasons. It was also a factor in trying to attract free agents to the club, especially pitchers. Uh, pitchers don't want to pitch when it's 100 degrees. Um, it's really hard on them, especially if they're going to make half their starts in those conditions. So I think it'll help the Rangers uh, tremendously in trying to uh, attract pitchers to the ball club. You know, one of the issues the A's have had has been how they've played in division and split so far with the Texas Rangers. But just talk about how this is a different Ranger team than we've seen so far in 2021. Yeah, you know, you look at the numbers for the Rangers for the season, and they're not totally relevant given all of the changes. I mean, they traded their by far the most productive hitter in Joey Gallo. They traded their best starting pitcher in Cal Gibson, and they traded their closer in Ian Kennedy. Uh, so uh, naturally, there are a lot of guys playing here now who are basically auditioning and it's a land of opportunity, as Chris Young, the new general manager, said the other day. And a lot of guys are getting opportunities. You're seeing uh, a guy like Jason Martin. He's batting second tonight and playing left field. Uh, Eli White, who came over from the A's you know, in a trade two years ago, is on the injured list right now. He was playing every day in left field or center field. Well, he's on the injured list now, so Jason Martin's getting a chance. Andy Ibanez is now playing every day at second base. He's a Cuban kid who's been in the system for several years, never got a chance to play until this year. Uh, they just called up a guy named Yanni Hernandez, uh, an infielder, who's getting a chance to play. They picked up DJ Peters on waivers from the Dodgers, you know, an outfielder with a world of potential who certainly wasn't going to crack the Dodgers outfield. Uh, but he's getting a chance to play with the Rangers every day. So, uh, you know, they're trying to figure out who are the guys they want to build the club around in the future. And it's tough on the fans because they're going to lose a lot of games. They're going to lose 100 games or more for the first time since 1973. Uh, but I think people understand that uh, in the rebuild process, sometimes that's what you have to do. And you don't have to look any farther than the Astros, who lost over 100 games three years in a row on their way to building it back up. Yeah, I feel bad for Ranger fans because you're opening up a new ballpark. COVID hits. You can't have fans. I mean, it makes sense. But, you know, 
we really haven't seen too many times people open up a building and then go into a rebuild, but but you understand because of the circumstances. Yeah, exactly, and the fans are still coming out. I mean, we're averaging 27,000 a game, and on weekends we're getting over 30,000 a night because people want to experience the ballpark, and when they come out, they enjoy it regardless of where the team is on the, in the standings. And the team's played well at home. You know, they're just a couple of games under 500 at home. So the games have been entertaining for the most part. And, you know, people are having a good time and they're coming back. How much fun did you guys have with the trading deadline? Because we just absolutely loved it, covered it. It was, it was like a magical day. Well, we were really excited, too, because it was just a question of, you know, who was going to make the best offer for our three guys. You know, we knew for sure that Gibson and Kennedy would get traded. We weren't sure if anybody would make a big enough offer for Joey Gallo. Uh, but clearly the Yankees did. And, you know, the, the prospects, they're just names to me, and I know they have ratings attached to them, which don't necessarily mean anything to me. Only one of the guys is in the big leagues now, Spencer Howard, who made his Ranger debut yesterday, the pitcher they got from the Phillies. Uh, there may be another guy uh come up before the season's over but there's a chance we won't see any of those six guys this year yeah well what do you think about what we did it's now a different lineup with what uh, david force and billy bean did well and fortunately now with loriano gone uh, it's a good thing that uh, Marte is here you know i haven't had a chance to see him very much as he's played in the national league his whole career but uh, i've been following what he's been doing since coming over here and and really looking forward to seeing him play i'll, I'll tell you we got far more athletic we got faster and we got guys that actually put the ball in play. You know, because the one thing that's been so tough with the A's is basically solo home runs, and that was it. And you got a bunch of guys hitting 215, 220, bringing in these guys, Andy Jan Gomes and Josh Harrison. You brought in legit players, guys have been to all-star games, guys have won World Series rings. It just changed the dynamic, and it had to be done. Didn't know if they were going to be able to get it done, but had to be done, especially now that we have no waiver wire process. Mm -hmm. It's changed It's changed how we do business. Right. Nobody's going to be adding anything of significance between now and the end of the season. So what you have now is, is what you're going to go with. And even in September now, you don't expand to 40 players. You just expand to 28. So you really are having to play with the team you've been given, you know, at least on August 1st. How do you like that we got rid of the waiver wire process? You know I'm not sure. There were so many interesting trades in August. And, of course, I'm not a guy who has to keep track of what might happen. That's not my job. And I yeah. know it, it's a lot easier on, on the writers and, and people who cover that sort of thing to not have to worry about that through the whole month of August up until that playoff eligibility deadline. Um, so, for me, it kept things more interesting to have it through August. But we've never had a July 30th like we had this year. So it, it may be worth the trade-off. Yeah, there's no Verlander with 10 seconds left going going to the exactly, Houston Astros. Exactly. <laughs> or even the Rangers, you know, in their two World Series years, uh, they always picked somebody up in August. And, you know, that was always exciting when your team's in the race and you're still able to add a guy. Yeah, you know, I, I look back at that. And, of course, we were rooting for you guys being American League people. It's just sad one of those teams didn't bring it home because those are really – and our buddy Wash, we love, we love Wash. Yeah. It's kind of sad that that – it reminds you of certain teams, kind of like the Cleveland Indians. They had that run in the 90s. There are certain teams that were really good that you wish he was at least got one ring. Right, ultimately snake bit at the end. You know, and we felt really strongly that in 2011 the Rangers were a much better team than the Cardinals. In 2010, at least as good a team as the Giants and maybe, you know, on paper a better team. But uh, you have to play that way. And, well, the Rangers – 
actually did. They just didn't catch a fly ball. But uh, <laughs> that's, you know, that's uh, water under the bridge. And we all wonder as Ranger fans how our lives would be different if Nelson Cruz had caught that fly ball. Well, I got to tell you, it's just wonderful to be back in our office on the field here and yeah. seeing you guys traveling because most teams aren't traveling. Uh, what's the reaction when other broadcasters see you that they haven't seen you in a oh, year and a half? It's fantastic. And, and we haven't had them in our park except for Dan Dickerson of the Tigers. He's the only visiting broadcaster who's been to our park. I believe there are 12 teams that are traveling their radio guys now. Nobody's traveling their TV guys. But I think 12 of the 30 now are traveling the radio guys. And hopefully there'll be a few more jump on board before the season's over. And maybe next year we'll be really back to normal. Well, it's wonderful to see you. Great to see you, Chris. And we always appreciate having you on. Have a great call. Have a good time this weekend. Yeah. Hey, we're no matter what, what happens, we're back on the field. We're doing what we love. Right. Got two day games. And it's about Beautiful. being no- normal again. The weather's going to be fantastic. So yeah. have a great call. We'll see you throughout the weekend. Thanks. From one great voice in the game of baseball to another. Tom Hamilton has been calling Cleveland Indian games for years, for years, called football and basketball on the Big Ten Network. We always like catching up with Tom. Tom, how you doing? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. How are you, Chris? I'm doing wonderful. It's been a while since we last spoke. How's life treating you there? <laughs> well, it's hot, it's humid, but we're playing baseball. We're back traveling with a ball club, so... Everything is good, and uh, just uh, happy to have a full season again. Wow, that's that that that's great to hear. Because I know there's only like twelve teams that are are traveling th- their radio crews. What's that been like for you to be back out on the road? Well, it's the only way you can do the game the right way. I mean, we all did what we had to do last year off television monitors and whatnot, and made the best of a, a tough situation. But uh, you can't broadcast a ball game properly that way and you know you also lose complete contact with the ball club with your players with your coaching staff so you know that ability now to to get down there talk to guys try and get some stories that you can you know use during the broadcast other than you know here's the pitch and so and so is hitting such and such on a full moon every Tuesday you know it just you just can't um do the game properly that way, I don't think. So we're just very grateful to be back on the road. I know all of the guys wish they could be, and there are circumstances that are keeping some of the crews from traveling, and uh, I sympathize with them because uh, the game was meant to be watched in person. And, you know, the, the beauty too, Chris, is you love going to these cities and you love going to these venues and you got the best seat in the house and you didn't have to pay for it. Well, yeah, I mean, recently, you know, the Hall of Famer, Eric Nadell, stopped by Ace Cast Live, and, we, you know, he loves getting his Chinese food in, in San Francisco, <laughs> and he talked about being on a hike in Berkeley, and it was like, we we miss seeing you guys, because we haven't seen you in, like, two years. <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it feels like we're back to normal, and, uh, you know, you just hope our country continues to progress in the right way, and that, uh, you know, we can get beyond the COVID, although... It uh, is certainly rearing its ugly head once again. So, like I say, I'm just uh, very grateful that the Indians really pushed for us to be back traveling and to be with the ball club. And, um, you know, we don't have the kind of playoff team that we've been spoiled with over the last six years. But, uh, you know, if your rebuilding year means you're a 500 ball club, 
that's pretty good because what they don't want to be doing here is doing these teardowns to the studs where you lose a hundred plus games for five years and you do that and you, you lose a whole generation of fans. Yeah. I think, I mean, you're, you're dead on. I mean, if you're a team that's trying to rebuild, but you're doing it at a 500 clip, that's something we really haven't seen too much in the history of our game since, I mean, you think about all the years you've been doing games. If you're going to tell me I'm in rebuild mode on 500, I take that every day of the week. I agree, Chris. And I, you know, I think the Oakland A's are another example of, you know, how well they've done it year in and year out. Yeah, there are some years that the A's don't make the playoffs or they have a rough season, but you don't see the Oakland A's go for an extended period of time where I don't want to say losing's accepted, but losing is acknowledged as part of a teardown. And, uh, you know, I think markets like Oakland and Cleveland, boy, that, that's tough to tell your fans, hey, we'll see you in five, six years, and we hope this thing works out. And I know it has worked for some ball clubs, Chris, but there are a lot of ball clubs that it hasn't worked for, and a lot of ball clubs that have been doing it for a while that are still losing. So um, I, I say kudos to the Oakland A's and the Indians front offices because they've been very adept at, again, dealing with limited revenues, not having a $150, $200 million payroll. And yet when you have sharp people in your front office like the Indians and A's do, then you can somehow find a way to compete. And as we know, October is a roll of the dice. You know, we have seen it here firsthand that just get to October because Lord only knows what's going to happen. But getting to October is the key. And uh, certainly it looks like the A's will be there again for the Indians, you know, It'll be one of those years we don't make it. Well, you make a great point. If you're not trying to win, uh, people will flip right to the Cleveland Browns and Baker Mayfield so fast. <laughs> you have no one, the right, no one will care come August, September. Football's right around the corner, and that kid's dynamic. Yeah, and it, uh, it, uh, we know how much of a juggernaut the NFL is. And uh, in a city like Cleveland, even when the Browns were going winless, um, it didn't seem to douse any of the fan interest. So, you know, that's the reality of being in a city that, you know, has such a passion for football. But, you know, I, I do think in a city like Cleveland, they have a passion for sports. And it is the smallest market in the major leagues in which you have a professional football team, an NBA team, and a major league baseball team. So, you know, it, it's pretty cutthroat for the entertainment dollar in a metro area the size of Cleveland. And, um, you know, the Browns obviously look like they're really good. The, the Cavaliers were good when they had LeBron James, but uh, they've been rebuilding ever since he left town for a second time. So, you know, it, it's very competitive in this market, but it's great sports fans, Chris. And what you don't want is apathy. And, uh, you know, people might be angry with you, like some people are because of the name change and whatnot. But you'd rather have that than people say, well, I don't care. Uh, no doubt about it. And what was that like changing it? I mean, this is the, the Cleveland Indians have been around forever. Now you're going to be the Cleveland Guardians. How's that going for Cleveland? Uh, probably as you might expect, uh, Chris. I mean, when you've had a name like this for over 100 years and, you know, generations of fans have grown up as Indians fans, you know, there's a large segment of the population that if they don't understand it, they're not really accepting it. 
And I just think we have to be open-minded and we're in a world of change right now. And I thought the Indians did a great job as far as really getting together with a lot of Native American tribes around the country, not just in this area, but, you know, they, they really dug into this and wanted to hear from the people who are Native Americans. You know, it's, it's easy for me as a, a white person to say, well, the Indians aren't offensive. Well, that's not right. You know, that, that, that isn't right for me to say that. So I think you needed to talk to the people. They did. And the Native Americans spoke and they said, you know, we don't approve of it. And so thus, you know, our ownership, I thought, did the right thing in, the, in this day and age where that becomes such an issue. Uh, you know, if you have a great baseball team, they're going to love you, whether you're the Guardians or the Indians. If your ball club isn't any good, uh, they're going to be unhappy no matter what your nickname is. And as the ownership said, look, we're not getting away from the memories of Indians fans or the great Indians players or the great years that have taken place in Cleveland Indians franchise history. You still have those memories, those statues out there of Lou Boudreau and Frank Robinson and Larry Doby and Jim Tomey. Uh, those are Indians. That's not going to change. But, uh, you know, it's still going to be Cleveland. That's the most important part. You've got a baseball team. They're in the city of Cleveland. And, again, if you win, Chris, I think the Guardians will be accepted much quicker. And I, a, a large number of people love the name. But you're always going to, especially in today's day, hear more from the people that don't like it. You know, obviously we're missing two great Indians. And one of them is our very good friend, Ray Fossey, battling cancer. Yeah. And Tito Francona, who is a part of the A's family, ha has stepped aside. Just just talk about how these two guys, what they mean to Cleveland. And, and it's sad they won't be a part of this series. Well, I, I have never met a finer man in any walk of life than Ray Fossey. And I'll say that right up front. I don't care if it's in the baseball world. It's in any walk of life. I haven't met a finer guy or a guy I respect more than Ray Fossey. And, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with Ray and his family and in his battle to, to defeat this, you know, just insidious disease. And it's not the same when you play the Oakland A's. If you don't see the smiling face of Ray Fossey and then have your hand crushed by him when he <laughs> shakes hands with you, because he's still got the strength of a bear when he shakes your hand. And, uh, you know, it, it's not the same not having Ray around. And, uh, you know, he, he is a beloved Indian. Um, people here know how great a player he was. They also realize how his career was impacted by Pete Rose in that all-star game. But I, I don't think there's a better ambassador for the game of baseball than Ray. And what I love about Ray is he still loves the game and today's players. He's still down on the field. He's still relevant. He's still talking to today's players and he doesn't live in the past and uh, uh, because of that his insight to the game is you know you can't replace that so it uh, again I'm, I'm sure keeping him in our thoughts and prayers and you know the same with Tito but it was time for Tito to get healthy um, we know now that this is not a ball club that's going to make the playoffs and Tito with the surgeries that he has to have he's had the hip replacement in six weeks he has to have a rod put in his big toe and his foot 
from which he had the staph infection from back in December. So those are long-term injuries as far as recuperation. And had he waited until the end of the season, he would not have been healthy and ready to go come spring training. So um, the Indians felt like this was the prudent thing to do, get Tito healthy, because you know there are not a lot of managers, in my mind, in this game that are clear difference makers in the dugout. And I'm not disparaging anyone when I say that, but there are certain guys that are elite when it comes to being major league managers and are difference makers. The Oakland A's have one in Bob Melvin. Uh, That's why they keep winning in addition to the front office. Bob Melvin's a difference maker when it comes game time. And I think Tito Francona is as good a manager as the game has ever seen. Yes, he won two World Series with the Boston Red Sox, but look what he's also done in a market the size of Cleveland where you don't have the revenue that you have in a Boston or a New York or an area like that. So, um, you know, Tito is as good as it gets. Uh, He creates a culture here. It's why this ball club contends year in and year out and why they keep playing the game the right way. To your point, Chris, uh, you know, these are giants of the game, and, and we're losing too many of these guys. We need these guys in our game. Yeah, and let's end on this, because the last time I was in Cleveland, I went out with Ray to Heritage Park to his plaque, and mm-hmm. we did an interview from his plaque, and, of course, the great Dwayne Kuyper was right next to him, that plaque, and and I, I think for our fans, you know, we know Ray won World Series with the Oakland Athletics, but I think – I. I I don't think our fans really understand, you know, he's one of the great Indians of all time. And on top of that, Chris, and you're dead on, if you take away that injury. Now, remember, after the All-Star game, he played the rest of that year with a broken shoulder. Yes. <laughs> we, we, we have guys going on the injured list now with much more minor injuries, and you never see him the rest of the year. He played with a broken shoulder. This guy was the American League's answer to Johnny Bench before that devastating injury. And he still had a tremendous career. And, uh, again, he's a, he's an even better person. Well, we always appreciate your time. I'm so glad you're back out on the road. I can't wait for all of us to see each other again. But whenever you come on, you make the program a better place. And thank you so much for your time and enjoy this series. Well, it's an honor to be with you, Chris. And uh, we need to get Kenny. and. Uh, Vin back out on the road as well. We miss seeing those guys and miss seeing you as well. So thanks so much, Chris. Take care. Be well and be safe. You too, my friend. And Tony Gwynn Jr., a fine player in his own right. Obviously, his father, one of the great hitters of all time, the Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn. And when the A's were taken on the Padres, we always like having Tony Gwynn Jr. on the program. Tony Gwynn Jr. is going to join us. The Padre broadcaster, longtime player, San Diego State great. Hey, it's great to have you on the program again. How are you? I'm good. How about you guys? You know, the last time we saw you, I don't remember, was the winter meetings in San Diego. It's been, a, what was that, two years ago now? Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was a big event for uh, for San Diego in that winter. It was fun, a lot of fun to be at. Yeah, it's like crazy. We talked to so many different people around the game, you know, because we got all the different teams and we know all the broadcasters and everybody. And we're just finally starting to see people again. Right, right. Isn't it weird? Because in our game, we're so used to seeing everybody year-round, and then you don't see anybody for two years. That is uh, that is how this game has been built, is that with the relationships you, you're able to make while playing and being around it and 
last two years, year and a half, is, it's been tough not seeing faces, but this is our first trip traveling. So I'm excited, wow. I'm excited just to be <laughs> at, at this Oakland Coliseum. It's a great first place to start at, for sure. I, I think I've told you I grew up in San Diego, and I was actually there yesterday doing a little family stuff, and I was downtown, and just the buzz yeah, around the yeah. team. I mean, if I would have told you, I don't know, a year ago that a Tuesday night between the A's and the Padres is going to have like 45,000 people, you would have said what? I would have said you're out of your mind is what I would have said. There is no shot. And I, listen, I, I was I was at that game Tuesday, and I was even amazed. I mean, we've had some sellouts this year, more so than we've had in a long time. But for a Tuesday against Oakland, yeah, and that's no knock against Oakland. It's just that's not a necessarily a, a draw for people to come out. There was no giveaways, but that place was filled to the brim. And that's by the way, there was a lot of A's fans. There was at the a game. bunch of A's fans there. I can't even I can't even lie. Like you looked out, and it was weird because you know brown, gold, yellow. It kind of all goes together in terms of when you see the stand. So. You had to kind of pick them out, but there was good Oakland re representation there for sure. Well, I'm glad to see the excitement and the the division in the West. I yeah. mean, we never saw this coming with the Giants. You expected the Dodgers to win, what, their ninth straight division. But now this is kind of like we're in this dogfight with Houston and Seattle. It's a sprint from here on out. And you got what you got from yep. the trading it's deadline, and it's yeah. here we go. It's go time. It's funny. You told me at the beginning of the year, Padres were three and a half out again from from the Dodgers. I'd be like, all right, yeah, we'll, you'll take that for sure. Uh, but you wouldn't have anticipated the, the Giants, the one setting the trend, the setting the, the tone here in terms of record. They're three three games ahead of Houston in terms of best record in baseball. So the top of the West has been that kind of uh, of division. And it's funny, it's kind of played out the same way in the AL West, right? I mean, I think we all knew Oakland and, and Houston were the two teams, but. Who would have predicted Seattle all of a sudden is playing the type of baseball they're playing? So uh, it's 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 going to be a, an uphill. It's going to be a tough fight for the Padres. I mean, I don't think the Giants are going anywhere. I think this team is for real. At least they believe it at this point, and that's that's as dangerous of a thing you can have as when a locker room believes they're as good as they're playing. Well, don't worry. On our side, we're hoping that the Giants do fall. <laughs> so we're with you on that one, by the way. Um, you know, speaking of our ball club, you got to finally see we made a lot of moves at the deadline. Good moves. You know these guys. Uh, we, As I said to start the show, and I said it in the postgame show on Sunday, we added some dudes. You did. We added some players, ballers, World Series champions, all-stars. So if I'm like San Diego in the advanced scouting, it's like the team that you saw in San Diego is not the same team you're going to see here in Oakland. No, and if you were advanced scouting for the Padres, you would know that J Josh Harrison has, has terrorized the Padres this year, and, and so has John Gomes. Both of them were in Washington, maybe the trip before you guys came, the homestand before you guys came, and killed the Padres. So uh, Padres aren't very happy to see them now wearing another jersey and having to face them again because uh, obviously those two guys can play, but I think the the, the – Maybe the move of the entire trade deadline was getting Starling Marte. He fits what this team needs. He's kind of – when you look at the Oakland A's from, from the outside looking in, it looks like a bunch of castaways that are, are, have decided they're going to band together as brothers and play good baseball. And Starling Mar Marte kind of fits that kind of mold that the, the Oakland A's have. So I think he's a great addition. Um, he can do a little bit of everything. He hit for power. He can hit for average. He runs the base as well. He plays a terrific center field. So you got yourself a, a, a game-changing game type of player in Starling Marte. And then the other guys I mentioned, 
Uh, they're going to be big helps for this ball club. For yeah, sure. Marte actually tried to throw some bunts down, and we were all like, wait, are we allowed to do that, Oakland? <laughs> Is this money ball? Can we, are you allowed to bunt? <laughs> he, he, he's, he's, a, he's a hybrid. You know, he, he, to me, in my opinion, he, he's like a, a, a poor man's uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Like he, can, he has that type of game to him, um, not as maybe as consistent as Acuna has been, uh, but that's the type of player you're getting. If you need a bunt, he can get one down, and then he can do a whole bunch of things on the base path. Yeah, so being down in San Diego yesterday and having dinner with, with some people and uh, downtown, and and they're like, you know what? It might just be for long term because of the contract to just say for Fernando Tatis Jr. to get the surgery on the shoulder and get it right. Yeah. Where are you on that? I'm not there yet. There, I mean, the way he recovered from the first two times that he had to spend some time on the I.L., I don't think he's there yet. You know, they said it took a little bit longer to, to slide back in in that shoulder uh, area than it did the first couple times. But there is, at least at this point, there's been no signs that that's where they're headed. Now, we'll know more when we get back home. He didn't travel on this trip. He wanted to give it some days. If we come back and they are, and he's starting to hit again, he's starting to take ground balls, I think he'll be right back on, on track to come off on time from that 10-day IL. However, if that's not the case, um, then you might have to start worrying a little bit. Obviously, he's one of the most dynamic young guys in the game, and we got a lot of great young players. Yeah, yeah, we do. But do you see him long-term being a shortstop? Do you see him being a corner outfielder? He's got the great athleticism. He can play anywhere. Where do you see him long-term? I see him long-term at short. I really do. I think uh, it would take it would take a, a, a an even. I mean, and this is Fernando's as special as it gets in terms of athleticism. Um, it would take somebody even more special, I think, to move him from that shortstop position. I know he's had a lot of uh, errors this year. I think he's still leading the league in errors. Yeah. Um, all of them really on the, from the throwing spot, not really fielding. And I think as we've gotten into before he got hurt, he had pretty much cleaned up all those the throwing issues. It was really just a matter of getting his feet in the right direction to be able to make a strong throw. Um, but I don't think he's going to move. I think he's going to eventually be a, a, a multi-time gold glover at that position. So when I was in high school working for the San Diego School of Baseball, okay. all right, on the weekends I worked the Miramar location. Okay. And I'll never forget, football's on, it's early Sunday morning, your dad pulls up because your dad was part owner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one was in there. I mean, everybody's watching football. They're not going to the batting cages <laughs> in Miramar. Remember where that was yes, in Miramar? I absolutely remember where it, it was. And like, it was like it, it just like these weird offices. So, I mean, there's no one there. And I remember setting up the cage at 65, and I just sat there as a high schooler and watched your dad, one of the greatest here, just ripping it back up the middle and watching football going, I can't believe this is going on. Well, there's a great art. Football, art. Tony Gwynn here. <laughs> yeah, this is like, great. And next, you know, he came out, you know, and he, we, he, I think he had we, coffee, and we hung out and talked a little bit, and then he left. Um, but there's a great article today about how 40 years ago today, yeah. Walla Walla, Washington, your, your father started – his career, what an unbelievable career. It was a great story. Uh, first of all, shout out to Corey Brock who wrote that article. He did a tremendous job of taking you to Walla Walla, Washington, and you could almost visualize a lot of the things you were reading in that article. Um, it's one of the places my dad talked about a lot was, you know, as I started my professional career, he talked about Walla Walla, Washington, and you start to hear kind of the, the stories behind, you know, what kind of player he was there. Uh, it was a, it was a well written article. It was nice to go back down memory lane, 
to see, you know, a, a young Tony Gwynn and John Cruck pretty much yeah. <laughs> together all the time. And if you know Crucky like I know Crucky, uh, you can visualize all of that. Them on the bikes, them riding around, them hitting. Uh, my dad was a, a he was a he was a baseball nerd. So like showing up to you said the school of baseball to do that was like fun to him. That wasn't work to him. And so you can understand why he was able to become the hitter he was. I mean, he 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 was blessed with great hand-eye coordination, which is something you need to hit a baseball, but he worked tirelessly and, and it was something he enjoyed doing. And what a lot of people don't know, because I actually saw your dad I grew up right next to San Diego State. So I actually saw your dad play college basketball at the yeah. sports arena. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize Tony Gwynn's the only guy ever to be drafted in two different drafts in the same year by teams in the same town, Clippers and Padres. Yep. By the way, so I always get a, a, a beach house down in Mission Beach for the All-Star break. I took my – I got 15-year-old twins. So we went over – we went to UCSD to look at the campus. Yep. San Diego State's completely changed from when I was <laughs> growing up there. Though? I was like, wow. It's completely changed when I was there. That was in 2003. It looks completely different now. Yeah, I could. it's grown up. It has. It's a very, very, very it's impressive. A, it's much more of a big big boy college now. It's not, the, it's not the small town college that I think you and I grew up watching. It's, it's much more established now. So I played, the reason why I left, I played at San Jose State. So I remember playing, what was it, Smithfield? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. drove up. Yeah. I was able they had the gate open, so I, I kind of get, I'm like, <laughs> They've got full-on stands now. Like it's, it's a, it's a made. I mean, listen, you know. How about the arena? The arena is is the is the the, the jewel. You know, that's the on campus. Um, it's it's gotten a lot more play as that basketball team has gotten better and better over the years. Um, baseball. Once they, uh, I think John Moore's was the one who had a big hand behind building Tony Gwynn Stadium, which they play in now. Uh, it they got a lot of good facilities over. It's a great school to to to, to have a chance to attend. Now, I remember for a long time, I don't know since they've had this great run in college basketball, yeah. but your dad was the all-time assist leader for still a Still is. Is he still? Still the all-time no assist leader. No one's passed him? No one has passed Nobody him. knows that, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's the greatest sports trivia question you could ask Yeah. because uh, nobody knows it. My dad's first love it, it, it was basketball. Uh, he loved it to death. I think when it came to him getting drafted, as my mom tells the story, he realized he was too short. And he felt like there was more longevity in, in, in baseball. And I think, as my mom said, he's like, you know, I think I'll play baseball, play for five or six years, and then do something else. And we see how that one turned out. Well, if you remember how bad the San Diego Clippers were to then go on to be even worse in Los Angeles. <laughs> I, th I think your dad <laughs> you made the right decision, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, your dad made. Hey, it's always great having you on the program. Thank it's you, great Chris. to see you. I really appreciate it. Good luck to you guys. You know you're my National League team, so uh, I'd love to see the Giants tank it. I would Me love too. to see the Dodgers, even though you did play for the Dodgers. I did, but that's okay. They and can lose, too. And you, got, you, got, you have family history in <laughs> yes, L.A. Yes, I absolutely do. <laughs> but they can tank, too, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, well, in, in, enjoy what you guys got going because it's special, and thanks, and we always appreciate the time. Thanks, Chris. Well, our special thanks to the Hall of Famer Eric Nadell, Tom Hamilton, and Tony Gwynn Jr. for stopping by A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.